Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Canton, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. All right, everyone, grab your Bibles, and I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to look at several different passages today, but we're going to start in Matthew 11 as we continue in our series that we're calling Like Christ. And as the series title implies, this series is focused around one main question, and that is, if I'm seeking to become more like Jesus, then what am I seeking to become? Get your Bibles, Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to dive into this uh, text of Scripture together. And uh, further than that, we're going to talk specifically today about something that often isn't talked about. It's gentleness. Gentleness. And I want to ask you a question. When you think about the word gentleness, what comes to mind? What picture pops into your head? And uh, maybe you even mentioned that with your family where you're gathered this morning. You just uh, state right now to each other. What, what comes to mind when you think of gentleness? Now, regardless of what you may have come up with, I, I was thinking about this uh, personally in my own life. And one example that immediately came to my mind <laughs> was uh, after our first child was born, it, it, the next times that we had infants that were born, this concept of gentleness was not one that was automatically known or inherited by my older children. So it seemed like we were constantly having to be really cautious about how long we left a room with the older child and the baby alone because the older kid just didn't get it. Like, why can't I just grab my, my brother or sister by the foot and pick them up? Why, why can't I just run through the house with them and, and, and not be cautious at all. Like, this whole idea of being gentle is clearly not something that's intrinsic, built into our frame of being, and automatically just assumed. Another, <laughs> another fun example of this is every year at the Fulton County Fair, they do what's called the scrambles. And in, in short summary, the scrambles are they turn a grouping of animals loose in, in, in this giant ring, and then they turn a group of kids loose and say, if you catch it, you get to keep it. And one of the most entertaining parts of this is seeing these young kids chase around ducks, rabbits, and chickens. And most of them <laughs> still don't really have a concept of what it looks like to be gentle in, in this setting. And so you see rabbits being carried out by their ears. You see uh, some, some kid grab a chicken or a duck by the neck. And <laughs> quickly an adult runs over and educates this child on, no, you need to hold it like this. You'll be careful and, and, and take care of this. And it's something that's learned or something that uh, is developed over time. But one of the things we may recognize right off the bat when it comes to gentleness is that gentleness is something strong that's being cautious or careful or soft in a sense with something that's weaker in nature. And as we dive into this today and we get these concepts of kind of what gentleness is pictured in our own minds, I want us to look specifically at the biblical framework 
of gentleness, specifically in the person of Jesus, and then shifting gears over to what the Bible talks to us about as followers of Christ in how this should be a part of who we are. And, and if you wanted to ask an overarching question, why should the church as a whole be characterized by gentleness? And that's not to discredit other characteristics, but this is one that we often just don't even pay attention to at all. And so if you get nothing else out of today, I want you to wrestle with this main idea. And that is that gentleness is responding in line with Christ's mission regardless of position. Gentleness is responding in line with the mission given to us by Jesus, regardless of what position you hold. Think about that, and that's what we're going to dive into and talk about. But before we jump into the biblical text, I just want us to get some general observations about what, we, what gentleness is not. Because sometimes we get this picture in our head and it taints how we even read scripture and we, we contort that to mean something different than even what scripture would tell us it would mean based on the cultural influences around us or how we may have grown up knowing about what gentleness is. So uh, three quick things that gentleness is not just to categorize our framework and get us thinking about this. The first one is that gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is not weakness. Now, gentleness, realistically, and even going back to this main idea that we're focusing on, is recognizing that you may have the power or ability to do much harm or drastically change someone's life, but you choose to approach the wielding of that power responsibly and with their best interest in mind. In other words, gentleness is not that you are somehow weak. For someone to be gentle does not automatically translate to them being weak. And an example of this, if you want to read sometimes a narrative in John chapter 8, and it's actually a narrative that we covered a few weeks back, where Jesus is, the, the religious leaders brought this woman who was caught in adultery in John chapter 8, and they are bringing her to Jesus, hoping that he will screw something up and they can convict him on it. And Jesus' response to this woman, even though Jesus in and of himself holds the power or the ability and even the God-given authority to make judgments in this way, he chooses an approach that's gentle. He doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't start screaming or yelling, even at the religious leaders who were in the wrong in what their approach was. He consistently approached these issues that he was confronted with, with a gentleness. That didn't mean he was weak. It meant that he was wielding his power well, and for the purposes in which he was sent to accomplish. It's very easy for us to confuse those two and think, well, if I'm gentle, you know, if I'm gentle, I'm, I'm going to be seen as weak and people just won't respect me. It's quite the opposite. Gentleness is not weakness. Secondly, gentleness is not passivity. It's not passivity. Being gentle does not mean that there is no action taken. This can, again, be easily confused where we think of gentleness and we go, well, gentleness just means, you know, I'm, I'm going to sit back and I'm just going to keep my hands away from things and I, I'm, I'm just, 
not really going to say anything. I'm not really going to take a stance or take action. And yet, instead, gentleness is seen as it's moving in the right direction, the proper direction, but doing so carefully and intentionally. And another example of where we see this talked about in Scripture is in James chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So recognize there this major contrast between wisdom from flesh, from earth, and wisdom from above, and what characterizes the difference between the two. Now, each one of those that's listed in James chapter 3 requires that you are active. If you just sit back and are passive in this, then none of those things really come to fruition. And you might say, well, I'm a peaceable person, but if you are just inactive and you choose not to do anything, then you could really raise a question as whether you're peaceable or whether you're just passive. So gentleness is not weakness. It's not passivity. And thirdly, this one is important, church. Gentleness is not partial to gender. Guys, I am speaking specifically to you primarily because in my own experience... This is what I've seen happen. We hear the word gentleness and we immediately equate it with motherhood or being a woman. And maybe you even see a brother in Christ or just another guy who is more gentle and you call them names or you demean them for being gentle in an approach or in how they talk. This has got to stop because gentleness, according to Scripture, has nothing to do with whether you are male and female, has everything to do with being made in the image of God and pursuing to be like Jesus. So don't deceive yourself into excusing bad behavior or bad motives by saying, well, that's just how I am, or it's just the man thing to do, or it's just the boy thing to do. And maybe you're a woman who is bought into that and think, well, you know what? This is just supposed to be part of my characteristics and nobody else's. It's not true. It's nowhere in Scripture. Make sure you check the Bible for where we regroup and define many of these terms. Now, in Scripture, there's two specific words for gentle or gentleness. And those two words in the Greek are epikase and praus. Now, the first one means really gentle, reasonable, or fair. And we're going to read a passage in Philippians 4 that uses that term. The second one, praus, and we're going to see that in Matthew 11, is gentle, meek, or humble. Now recognize there's two dynamics in the midst of this. When it comes to gentleness, we can either be talking about one's actions or one's attitude. Both are important. And when you read through Scripture, when you see the word meek, it's the same word translated gentle somewhere else. The two terms are cohesive. So in Matthew 5, when Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, it's referring to gentleness. Other times you may have heard that term specifically in reference to meekness talking about strength or power under control. And that's what we're talking about here. 
It's going back to this image picture of, I have the ability or the capacity, maybe in my position, or my role, or whatever it may be, my size, to harm or drastically change someone's life, but I choose a measured, respectable, cautious, and intentional approach because Jesus modeled gentleness. So, before we move any further, I want to stop there in thinking about those terms. Let's pray, and then we're going to walk through, we're going to read out of Matthew 11, we're going to read out of Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians, and we're going to seek to unpack and uncover, biblically, what does gentleness look like, and why should we care? Father, I pray that this study is challenging for us as the church. I pray that this characteristic of gentleness would be something we become known for. Forgive us for the times, for the seasons of our life where we just don't care about approaching things in a gentle way. Forgive us for the ways just even this last week that we have failed to do this in our homes, in our jobs, in broader culture, on social media. God, we recognize we are desperately in need of your help. So humble us in this time. Bring us to an understanding of what this should look like from your perspective. For your glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm going to give you two points today. And the first one of these, I want you to see in Matthew chapter 11, is that Jesus offers gentleness in response to our weakness and struggles. Jesus offers gentleness in response to our weakness and struggles. Look with me at Matthew chapter 11, specifically starting at verse 28. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Everyone say rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I hope that as we read that, there was a sense of just awe that could come over you in understanding the truth behind what Jesus is communicating here. The truth that Jesus offers gentleness in response to our weakness and struggles. Jesus doesn't come into this picture and say, Hey, come to me because I am the best. Come to me because I'm all powerful. Come to me because I can do miracles and I can show you up. He doesn't come to this passage and say, You, you who are struggling, get over it. Instead, he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, what is that word? Gentle and lowly in heart. We may differ on what we run to exactly whenever we face times of struggle. Sometimes we run to someone who promises a lot but fails to deliver. Sometimes that's a thing, whether it be media or money or possessions. You fill in the blank. 
and even challenge yourself in the midst of this. When you feel at your weakest, when you struggle the most, what do you find yourself turning to? What do you hear saying, come to me and I will help you? Come to me and I will make you feel better. Come to me and I have much to offer you. What is it that, what voice is speaking the loudest into your situation and your scenarios right now? Because many of us are feeling the weight of this right now in the midst of this season going on where people are sheltering at home, where individuals are getting anxious because things aren't returning to normal the way they thought, think they should. And we, we start becoming frustrated and even angry or anxious. And Jesus, in the midst of our weakness and our struggles, offers gentleness. Now this is a powerful and profound example that I believe should not only influence our response, but it should influence our character and who we are. Because we see how Jesus responds to those who are weak and struggling. And our response as the church, as ambassadors, representatives of Jesus, should be the same. So if I'm seeking to become more like Jesus, then I should be seeking to become gentle and lowly in heart. That's humble, not prideful and stuck up. And I have all the answers. It's the opposite of approaching this with gentleness. Now, the second truth here carries over from this Recognizing, I, I, first, I just want you to recognize Jesus responds with gentleness here. He offers a gentle response. And it's not only here, if you read throughout his ministry, Jesus offers a gentle response. And that's not to say that he is passive or weak, okay? Because we see him also respond boldly to some circumstances. For instance, when the tax collectors, when all these people were profaning the temple, Jesus didn't respond in what many of us would categorize a gentle way, but he also didn't respond just in furious rage. So there's a, you see where this is a controlled power. It's power under control, wielding that for intentional purposes in line with the mission that he came to fulfill. Never once did he step out of those bounds. But the second part of this is that Scripture calls us to a life characterized by gentleness. Scripture calls us to a life that's characterized by gentleness. I was reading a story, and some of you may have had personal experience of, with, with something like this. And it was a story of this, this father who, his children won, won these goldfish at a carnival. And in, in the reading, he said, hey, woo, lucky us. <laughs> but he, so they get these goldfish. There's, I think there was three goldfish. And so obviously they have these goldfish now. They need to buy a tank. So he goes to the store and he looks around and the tanks are a little more than he's wanting to spend. And then he sees this like five gallon fish aquarium tank that's sitting to the side. It's partially used and it's only $5. So he picks up this, this tank for his children's goldfish brings it home, cleans it out, put the fish in there. Day one, the fish seem happy, everyone's doing good. The next morning, oh man, they have a casualty. The fish is belly up. 
one, one out of three. Oh, well, you know, that happens, so they take care of it. Next day, fish dies. Number two down. And within the first week, all three fish had died. And obviously, with distraught children, this father goes out to try to figure out, what, what did I do wrong? What, what happened here? And it wasn't until talking to someone who was more versed in what the needs were that he realized that in scrubbing out this used fish tank with dish soap, he contaminated the water and ended up killing the fish unintentionally. Now, where this illustration meets our perception here is sometimes even when we approach a situation and we, we feel like we're approaching this in the right way, we're cleaning this up, we're, we're taking action in this, we can do so in a way that isn't gentle enough to bring those people directly affected to thrive. And inadvertently, we can cause more damage and harm than we anticipate or expect. And this can be done with our words. This can be done with our actions. This can be done even non-verbally with what we show with just how we respond in our attitudes. And so when we're thinking about what Scripture calls us to, we first have to recognize that we are always prone to scrubbing the fish tank with the wrong chemicals and causing inadvertent harm to people around us. And that should be something as followers of Jesus, and even considering last week's message on compassion, that we have a yearning not to do those things, and that we actively take a role in evaluating how we respond and what we do in a way that seeks to be gentle and compassionate and extending mercy. These are all subjects that we see, characteristics we see in the person of Jesus that we're called to. And so I want to go to a, a couple passages that highlight this. So we're Matthew 11, we see Jesus talking about that he identifies, he is gentle and lowly in heart. And so now, flip, flip over with me to Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5. And in Galatians chapter 5, the whole book of Galatians is focused around uh, nullifying this idea that the, we need to return to the law and, and identifying our freedom in Christ. And later this year, Lord willing, we're going to go through the whole book of Galatians together and unpack this. But in this passage specifically, Galatians 5, specifically starting at verse 16, it walks through a contrast of fruit of the world and the fruit of the Spirit. And so, starting in verse 16 of Galatians 5, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So there's a tension here. There's, there's a tension between our flesh and the Spirit, what the Spirit of God is calling us to. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, pausing there, don't read into this and think 
that if you have been involved in these in the past, that you are void of any hope because that's this whole book in Galatians is talking about there is freedom from all of this. There's freedom from our flesh in Christ, in Jesus. And so for those who believe in the name of Jesus to be saved, the Bible states that you're cleansed, you're purified, you're reborn as a follower of Christ. And if you want more clarity on that, read John chapter 3 and unpack that a little further. But for those of you who know, who believe, who are going, I recognize these are the things of the flesh, then it provides this contrast in verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we, be- if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now you see here, there is specific mention of gentleness within the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, if I am in Christ and pursuing the things marked by the Spirit of God, gentleness should be on my list of character traits that I seek to embody because I'm seeking to live like Christ. And the greater challenge, you may read this list in Galatians 5 and go, whoa, this is really challenging. Stop singling them out and just start asking the question we've been asking for this series. If I'm seeking to become more like Jesus, what am I seeking to become? And we can identify that Every one of these fruit in the person of Jesus. The second passage, go ahead and flip on further to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And again, Paul was writing in Galatians to the church at Galatia. He's writing in Ephesians to the church at Ephesus. And then we're going to look at Philippians. And he's writing to the church at Philippi. So these are all commands, exhortations to followers of Jesus. And in Ephesians 4, verse 1, it says, I therefore, this is Paul speaking, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and, what? Gentleness. With patience. Bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain, what is that word? Unity. Everyone say, unity. Unity. Of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's quite a challenge. To walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. That's a calling that you've been called to as a follower of Christ. But doing so with humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another in love. Now, if it wasn't going to be challenging to bear with one another, there wouldn't be a reminder that you should be focusing on this. This is not an easy thing to do. Eager to maintain unity, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What unites us, what should unite us as the church, is the person of Jesus. Regardless of what you think about the current scenario and situations, regardless of what you think about the government, regardless of what you think about all that's going on right now, if you are a follower of Christ... That should unify you with other people who believe in the name of Jesus to be saved. 
That and that alone should be the uniting factor, regardless of where else you agree or disagree. That we are saved and redeemed and in eternity, this is the only thing that matters, church. I really am passionate about this and want you to hear this. Because this becomes such an issue and we approach so many things with a lack of gentleness because of our selfishness and our flesh. Now the, the next passage, the last passage I want to take you to is in Philippians 4. Flip on over to the next book, next letter. Philippians chapter 4, specifically verses 4 through 7. And this is a passage that many Christians quote the first portion of, but we don't go on to the rest of it, and so we miss something here. Starting in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness, and another word for reasonableness here, this is one of those Greek words that's also translated gentleness. Let your gentleness or reasonableness be known to whom? Let it be known to the people I agree with. False. The Bible doesn't say that. God didn't say that. Let your gentleness, your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you were to pull a general group of people, whether it be close friends or co-workers or random strangers who can see your social media feed, would you be known as someone who is reasonable and gentle? Church, this has got to be something we focus in on. Because Scripture has called us to a life that is characterized by gentleness in the same way that Jesus confronted the struggles and the issues at hand. My goodness, He was had religious leaders plotting to kill Him, and yet He continued to approach even His rebukes of those people with gentleness. And so, even amongst this, I, I pray and I plead that you understand that we have got to be marked by a gentleness in our approach, especially to those outside of the faith. Those who don't believe in the name of Jesus to be saved. And what does our response and our attitude and our words and our actions say about who we're truly following? Are we coming to Jesus because we're labor and we're heavy laden? Are we taking on ourselves the yoke, the burden of Jesus, knowing that He's gentle and lowly in heart? Because that's the only place we're going to find rest. And right now, many of you are restless. And I understand that. And I get that. I have days right now where I'm so restless. But our focus has to be fixed back on the person of Jesus. So one application point that I want to leave you with as we get ready to close today. Regardless of your situation, respond with gentleness. Regardless of what you're dealing with right now, respond 
with gentleness. When your kids are driving you insane, respond with gentleness. When your spouse has gotten on your last nerve, respond with gentleness. When your job is falling apart, or your finances are falling apart, respond with gentleness. When your coworker doesn't do their job, respond with gentleness. When the government doesn't make a decision that you agree with, respond with gentleness. When a friend makes a poor decision for the umpteenth time, respond with gentleness. Church, gentleness is responding in line with Christ's mission regardless of what position you're in. Every single one of you listening to this are in a position to influence the world. And you're going to either influence the world on your behalf or you're going to influence it for Christ. Remember the gentleness of Jesus. Take up His yoke and find rest for your souls. Father, I pray that this would be challenging and equipping and that we would confront many of these issues directly and be convicted even in our own lives as followers of Jesus. Thank you that you are a God who forgives and we know and believe that we confess our sins. You're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. May we be ever present in the mourning of our sin, in the confessing of our wrongs, and in our pursuit of holiness.